0: Hallelujah. We are sitting on a Holy Ghost powder keg. And all it needs is praise to light the fuse. Hallelujah. Our praise and worship to the Lord, unrestricted, unhindered. Hallelujah. Blow this house wide open. Anything can happen today. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. We're so excited and happy to have Collins and Maribel with us. They're going to be with us for a couple of weeks. Amen. Feels like family coming home. Praise God. The best years of my life were spent on that campus. Amen. With this group of young people. Amen. And it's so great to see them walking on with the Lord. Amen. That's that's the reward right there. That's the reward. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm reading this morning from the Gospel of Luke, the 22nd chapter. We're going to be having a baptism at the uh, end of the message this morning. And uh, Chris Chris wants to be baptized. Can't wait. (laughs) Praise God. We're all set for that. Praise the Lord. We'll ask folks to stay over during the altar service for the baptism. Luke chapter 22, verse 31 and 32, Jesus speaking, said, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Oh, hallelujah. Touch and move, we pray today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, God, we ask that you bless blessed this service today. Bless this message. Let it go forth to so who needs to hear it. Let the word of God be in it for someone today, I pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. All right. Shake a few hands and greet some folks as you're being seated this morning. My subject this morning, for your consideration, is touched, sifted, and tormented. Now God has a plan for your life, and he's not alone in this. Besides your own plan, Satan has plans for each one of us just as well. God and Satan's plans do not have the same goal or the same destiny. They do, however, converge, although they never merge. Paul said in 1 Corinthians said there is There has no temptation taken you but such as is common to man, But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Anybody feels like the going is too hard, too tough, like you can't possibly make it through, like this thing is bigger than anything you've ever thought you would get into, and you don't see how... You will ever be able to survive and stay saved and sane and stay in the church. Let me tell you, it's a matter of your thinking only that puts you in that position. All the power is yours in Christ to change your world, to change your life, to change your circumstance, your reality, your future, your destiny. All the power is in your hands to do it. A few weeks ago, we took the family on a cruise to Lake George aboard the Minnehaha, which, as you know, is a steam-driven paddle boat, an old-fashioned steamboat. And I took an opportunity to take the older grandchildren down to the engine room, where the engineer invited us to come into the boiler room because I wanted to explain to them, in my limited way, how the system worked that the boat should move. And so I talked to them about how, you know, the paddle, turning the paddle is what drives the boat forward, but what turns the paddle are the pistons, and the pistons are, uh, being driven by steam that is being heated up in a boiler, and, uh, you see th- that steam there, and I said every time you hear the boat whistle, that's steam that's escaping, that's coming out, and there's valves, and there's ways to relieve pressure on the system. And then I picked up a book last week on vacation about the early days in New England when steamboats were first being built in the late 1800s um, and or the early 1800s and <clears throat> how that there were cer- certain steamboat companies that began to advertise based on the new technology uh, of uh, all copper boilers which were superior to the old cast iron bound boilers which had a tendency to explode under pressure. They were very fragile. And the new copper boilers were much, much safer and they didn't blow up quite as often. But still, the best boiler in the world will blow up every time except certain conditions are met. Now you housewives that know, that use pressure cookers in your home, you have an idea of what I'm talking about. That pressure cooker is equipped with a release valve that takes the excess pressure off of it. It also comes with a gauge so you can be able to measure whenever the system is going to go into the red or to the danger zone. In the old days, these boilers, these train boilers and steamboat boilers had to have this kind of a system and that would release the pressure when the steam built up to a point where it was going to become dangerous and the whole system could blow apart there would be an escape valve put in there to take the pressure off and to be able to cause that steam system to be able to survive and the people would be able to get through it. Hallelujah. Now Paul is saying that With every temptation comes an escape valve. With every temptation, there is a system built in by God. Hallelujah. To relieve the pressure, to take the pressure off, and to cause us to be able to get through this thing. You will get through it if you want to. You will survive if you want to. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And that's a promise and a guarantee of God. Faith is the relief valve for the pressure of temptation. Faith, when, when the pressure rises to the point where faith must kick in, where only faith will work, where only faith will get you through, that's when the pressure gets to be taken off. Hallelujah. And you will never know what kind of faith you have if you never go under pressure. You will never know how well your system will work if you never go under pressure. You will never know, amen, that there is no limit with God unless you are tested, tempted, and tried. We've got to be touched. We've got to be shifted. And we've got to be tormented in order to prove the power of God in His life. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Now temptation is the devil's business. That's what his company is all about. He's founded on the principle that if I can apply enough pressure to any system, I can destroy it. God made everything. He spoke it all into existence, and all of it depends on him and his power. Yet Satan, who was created by God, believes in his polluted mind that he can break what God made, that he can destroy what God made. He believes if you put enough pressure on the system, it will fall apart. And that lack of faith defies God. Doubt defies God. And God's not introducing any doubt. He won't do anything because we doubt. Holy Ghost. They sit on worship. They sit on the things of the Lord because they're in doubt. They're fighting doubt and they're pounding it out. But you won't get it out that way. Hallelujah. he found the only way. Amen, is to be able to let your faith take in. And praise is an expression of faith and hope in God. Job praised God. He said, though he destroy me, yet will I serve him? Job said, God has never done me any wrong, and I can't deny him. Hallelujah. So that's Satan's game, his temptation. But God allows it, and he uses it. Satan's product is temptation. But God allows it and He uses it to improve His own product. Hallelujah. Sand and paper ain't good for nothing but grinding things down. Hallelujah. But in the process, things get improved. Hallelujah. With a little grinding. With a little grinding, you're... Spiritual sword gets sharpened. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. With a little grinding. It sharpens you up for God. Hallelujah. Amen. We don't like to go to the wheel and be ground. Hallelujah. But if we're going to be able to be used of God in this battle with the devil, don't go in there with rusted, dented, chipped weapons of warfare. Get to the ground and will, and let God sharpen you up to attack the enemy. Hallelujah, hallelujah. What I delight in, and what I came here to tell you this morning, there's not a one of us that doesn't get tempted. There's not a one of us that doesn't have to deal with the flesh. In this old wicked world, hallelujah. And we have besetting sins. Everybody does. And Satan knows where the buttons are. And he likes to push them. But I came here to tell you that where Satan once had you bound, and you couldn't break free, and only the Holy Ghost could deliver you, that is the area that God is going to use you to beat the devil up. You're going to turn that on the devil. And whip him with it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Paul said, When I am weak, then am I strong. Hallelujah. It's only when we get to know our limits and put it in the hand of God and say, God, if you join me in this battle, Together we'll turn on enemy and we'll beat him at this. We'll whip him at this. That's when you're going to get strong. Hallelujah. It's interesting that Jesus said this to Peter. Just before Peter blurted out those infamous words that he would never deny him. And Jesus said before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times this night. Now the way it's written in the CEV, the Contemporary English Version, Jesus said, Simon, listen to me, Satan has demanded the right to test each one of you as a farmer does when he separates wheat from the husk. But Simon, I prayed that your faith will be strong and when you have come back to me, help the others. Now, it's interesting to think of Peter, just Peter, being told, Peter, Satan wants to sift you as wheat. But what Jesus is really saying, is not just to Peter. It's to each one of us. Satan wants to sift each one of us. He wants to sort through us, our lives, our baggage, our mind, our soul. Hallelujah. And when you sift something, it's because you're looking for something. So Satan tempts us and our flesh to see what it is he can find in us that he's looking for. That weakness, that weak spot, that soft spot that we don't have victory in our lives over. That's the thing Satan is looking for. When he shifts us, he's looking for garbage. He's looking for the dirt. He wants to find the skeletons. He wants to find all the bad stuff. So that he can use that to accuse us before God and try to separate us from God. Make us feel like we're nothing. We're worse than nothing. We're garbage. We're failures. We can't ever make it. We'll never rise. We'll never win. We'll never have victory. Hallelujah. But all the while, Satan is is shifting us. Amen, it's shifting the sifter, looking for the bad. God is set back, hallelujah, and He's looking for the good. God is looking for something in us. He's looking for something in us that will make Him proud. He's looking for something in us that He knows is in us, even when we don't know it's in us. Even when we struggled with our failures and got up and failed again. God saw something better in us beyond that failure that he was going to get to. He'll get to it. Hallelujah. Amen. Just keep going. He'll get to it. And when he does get to it, he'll bring it on and say, that's what I was looking for. Right there. That's what I have. In mine for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Peter, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Never underestimate the value of prayers. Somebody says, I'm praying for you. Amen. That's worth something. What a comfort it is to know that when you don't feel like praying, when you're hurting too much to pray, man, when you're when you're weak and your faith is challenged and you don't think you can pray with faith, to know that somebody is praying for you, and Jesus is praying for His disciples. He's praying. How does He pray for His people? The Bible says the Holy Spirit, which searches the hearts makes intercession through us with groanings which cannot be uttered. How Jesus is praying for us is when we submit to intercessory prayer. Amen. And let the Holy Ghost pray in tongues through us for things we don't know how to pray for. But Jesus is praying for us, all of us, praying. He'll use you to pray for somebody on the other side of the world you don't even know that you prayed for them because you were praying other touch. But he's praying for his church right now. He's praying for us. That's why you need to go to that prayer room and get in the spirit and get anointed And let the spirit of intercession follow you. And let God carry you away and lift you up in prayer to pray because that's Jesus praying for us who are about to be shifted. And the King James, Jesus said, and Peter, when it's all said and done, when you're converted, strengthen the brethren. The modern translation says, when you come back to me. There's a comeback kid in every one of us. No matter how low you go. No matter how black it gets. No matter how deep into sin you fall when you belong to God. There's a comeback kid in you. And God wants to take you when you come back. And use you to strengthen His other people. To strengthen them. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Satan, you may have me now, but when I get out of this, you better look out. Hallelujah. But I just have one punch left. But it only takes one. to start preaching (laughs) you can fail God that doesn't mean your faith is weak it means your flesh is weak I'm going to say it again you can fail God that doesn't mean your faith is weak it means your flesh is weak Peter, Satan is trying to sift you as we. But I'm praying for you. And when you're converted, when you come back to me, if you've ever believed in God, Lindsay, you can only go so far before you have to come back. If you've ever really believed in You can only go so far before you must return. Testing us puts us in that place of discovering what we really think about Jesus. What we really believe about the Bible. What we really believe the Holy Ghost is and does in our lives. Testing us does that. And Satan may try to knock us out of the park because our flesh was weak and we failed. But you're only going to go so far. Hallelujah. Before you must come back because the one who's praying for us knows that we believed. We believed all along. We really believed in Him. We really believed in Him. Hallelujah. Because we fail, because Satan is the accuser of the brethren, because he successfully accuses us, because shame and guilt drives a wedge between us and God and sends us into a running, hiding mode from God. Because of all that, Satan can separate us from God for a time. But if there was ever faith. If it was ever real. Amen. You must come back. And Jesus knows it. That's why he said, Peter, when you come back. Hallelujah. Now, if you've ever read the gospel account where Peter cursed and used God's name in vain. And denied he ever knew Jesus. I mean... He demonstrated strongly that he wanted to be disassociated with Jesus. But in his heart, he knew. His actions were not saying what his heart was feeling. His actions were speaking for his fear. Satan gets in our fear. And uses that language to hide and run from God. Hallelujah. But perfect love casts out fear. And we don't have it. He's the one that has it for us. (laughs) Hallelujah. We are imperfect in the best of our abilities and intentions. But his love is perfect. Amen. And that perfect love cast out fear. That perfect love says to fear, you don't belong here. You're in the wrong house. This is not where you belong. This is my child, not yours, devil. You may have them down. You may have them discouraged. You may have taken advantage of their weakness. But in the end, this one belongs to me. They believe, and I know they do, and they're coming back. And when they do, devil, you better watch out. Because they are going to help the others that you're messing with. They're going to be stronger than they were before. And they're going to help other people who are struggling. Do the same things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't it great to know somebody's praying for you? It makes all the difference. Satan! Satan! Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you. And when you're converted, strengthen the brethren. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm sure glad God put the book of Job in the Bible. It's a constant reminder. Hallelujah, that nothing really shall be able to separate us from God, if we believe. Now, Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear thee for naught? Hast thou not made a hedge about him, and about his house, and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand, and touch him. Touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. The Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Satan touched him, but he didn't get him. He had to admit his defeat in chapter 2 when he came back before the Lord again. And and and, and the Lord said to Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? There is none like him on the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God. And he sheweth evil, he still holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. He got touched. But I found what I was looking for, God was saying. That's what I was looking for. The man I'm proud of, the man I believed in, the man I knew could do it. That's what I was looking for. Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. Now put forth thine hand now and touch his bone and his flesh. He will curse thee to thy face. So the Lord allowed sickness to come upon him. He had nothing left but a miserable marriage. Even his own wife said, Job, why don't you just get it over with? Curse God and die and be done with it. He had nobody. He couldn't find God. But he did not lose his integrity of faith in God. Though tested and challenged, he was touched, Peter was sifted, and Paul was tormented. Hallelujah. In second in Corinthians, the Bible said how Paul said All because of all these revelations that I've had. A messenger of Satan was sent to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. And newer translations bring out different meanings here. The Amplified Bible speaks of this as uh, to rack and buffet and harass. And the New International Version uses the word to torment. God has sent a messenger of Satan to torment me. Torment me. Lest I've been exalted above measure. Touched. Sifted. Tormented. These are God's people. And they were suffering some things. In Paul's case... There's a very unique thing that comes out of that, and, and that is that Paul likely would have gone too far too fast spiritually. Not everybody is like this. There are really only a few people that are like this, but some people get on the fast train spiritually, and they just want to take off like a rocket, you know, boom, boom. Light my fire. Boom. I'm going to go for God. I'm going to outshine. I'm going to outwork. I'm going to outpray. I'm going to outfast. I'm going to outpreach. I'm going to win, I'm going to outgive. I'm going to out everybody. I'm just going to be the best at it that there is. I'm going to show everybody this is the way to do it. And he would have gone too far, too fast spiritually. He needed some breaks applied to him. He needed a spiritual, temporal reality check. Amen. I, I, don't, I don't fear a wet blanket as much as, as I fear uh, somebody who is just out of control spiritually. Somebody who is too far spiritually can do more harm to a church than those who aren't going far enough. Because there's a lot of flesh that gets in it. And spiritual pride that gets in it. And got to prove yourself to everybody else. The Corinthian church was racked with that syndrome. Why the gifts of the Spirit were being mishandled and abused was because of this factor. People were just shooting off like a rocket. Did you ever consider that God allows some things to happen to us to slow our roll? So we don't get carried away into an excess that he don't pull us back sometime because we're trying to prove something not to God but to everyone else not even to ourselves we want it because we want to show off we want it because we think there's glamour in the pulpit or there's glamour in singing or there's glamour in being used in the gifts of the spirit we want it because we think that it's glamorous Some people become so good at a thing that they believe their own press. That they become legends in their own mind. Perfection spoils us as badly as perdition. That's right. Solomon said it like this in Ecclesiastes 7 and 16. Be not righteous over much, Neither make, thou, make thyself overwise, why shouldst thou destroy thyself? The person who thinks they can take off like a rocket spiritually and beat everything to do with the flesh and with sin is a person that eventually will not see their own weakness. They will not see the being that is in their eye while they're looking at the moat in everyone else's eye. They won't see that because all they can see is that they're the best at what they do. So perfection can hurt and spoil us as badly as perdition does. Because nobody is perfect. And Solomon is saying, basically, you need to know yourself. And, 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 and realize that even your best effort doesn't come close to God's holiness. Does not come close to God's holiness. So that you never think too highly of yourself. And there's a further danger in that thinking too highly of oneself, and that is not allowing for the work of grace in other people's life. When we think too much of our own accomplishments for God, we are not sensitive to the work God is doing in people that we think are weaker than we are. But who are we to measure ourselves by anyone? And how do we come up with a measure that is equitable? Am I the rule by which everything else must be measured in life? Or is there a rule greater than me? by which I must and all other things must be measured. So spiritual perfectionism causes and intends for people to become blinded to anything but their own self-measurement and self-rule. And that's hurtful. Now I have said, I've coined this expression, Satan has three lawyers, whimper, whine, and moan. And if we're not careful, when temptation, testing, touching, sifting, and harassing come our way, we will fall inward into the doubt and pout group. I guess God just didn't do it right. I guess he just didn't, you know, with doubt and pout. Satan uses those three lawyers to work on us. And if you've ever noticed, people that are weak tend to be weak in everything, and there's an excuse for everything, and it's not their fault about anything, and they're victims, and you know, they're, it's always somebody else's fault, and they never have to really stand up and become a man or a woman of God. They don't have to. They don't have to. You know, they just can slide on by because. Satan has caused them to think, using his lawyers, whimper, whine, and moan, that that they have a right to be weak because they are victims. But you do not have to be the victim of anything. If you stand by and let things happen to you, you become a victim. But eventually it becomes your own fault. Because you've accepted that and allowed it to happen to you. There's some people that will shoot first and ask questions later. They're not about to be the victim of anything. (laughs) And there's other people that will never shoot no matter what. And they'll just suffer it and suffer it and suffer it and go off and pout and pout and pout. But that's not what God wants us to do. God wants us. Not to fall into the victim trap that says, look, I'm addicted, I can't get out of this, I can't help myself, I'm weak, I'm I'm German or I'm Irish or I'm English or I'm whatever. He wants us to get mad at the devil and say, Satan, I will not be your victim. I do not accept that you get to beat up on me. I do not accept that you get to do this to me over and over and over again. I do not accept that you get to tempt me and I fall and then you sit and put your finger in my nose and say, Look, you bad, bad boy. I don't accept that. God has something better in store for me than that. He designed me with a plan in mind. He knew how far I could go and what I could do if I would believe it. When I get up from here, devil, I'm coming after you, talking in tongues, praying in tongues. I'm going to worship. I'm coming out of this thing. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. The musicians can come. Get ready for a baptism. Bible tells us Satan is the accuser of the brethren, which accuseth them before God day and night, Revelation 12 and 10. He's always going to accuse us. But this accuser of the brethren will have his limits. He'll have his limits. God has a purpose for us by letting Satan work on us. And that's to build us into something that Satan cannot work on anymore. <laughs> Hallelujah. He wants to get us to that point. Hallelujah. You better back off, Satan. You better get on you better get on home. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And what I want to encourage you with is anyone who is struggling with anything in your life that's causing you to be spiritually weak, maybe has always been a problem for you in life. That is the area of your great victory that God has in mind for you. The thing that got you every time that made you weak and failed is the place where God wants to make you the captain the captain of that situation so that you are now strong and can strengthen other people who are struggling like you are that's his plan for us hallelujah Satan it seems never learns to stop messing with God's plan and God's people if Satan had his do-overs he would He would do calvary over he would rethink the cross if he had his do-overs and god wants to get us to a place where satan would have some do-overs if he could with us i I wouldn't have pushed that person that hard i pushed them so hard that they beat me at it praise god praise god somebody sang a song that said you know the trouble with christians is we're playing checkers while satan's playing chess Hallelujah. All right. Amen. <laughs> it's time to become chess masters for Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right. Let's praise and worship. We're getting ready to have a baptism.